Chris Morrison and I'm Jane Tucker. So we're back with another episode of Copyright Waffle. Yes, we are. I think and it might be episode five. Is it episode five? Four, it be episode five. four, oh, five. It's just gone by in a blur. It's a bit of a blur. It depends yeah. whether you count the first one as a proper episode, I suppose. Yes, yes. Yeah. Anyway, tell us about our guest. Oh well, we, we have we have today? yes, we have a, a guest today. Who we're very very pleased to welcome. So thank you very much, James Bennett, who is head of rights and licensing at the Copyright Licensing Agency. Hi there. Hello. Okay. Yes. We're very pleased to talk to you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, it's probably worth saying at the outset that um, we sit across the negotiating table, don't we, from James? We do, Negotiating yes. the higher education licence. Yeah. So uh, we, we may make reference to that, but of course we won't get into any of the details of those ne- negotiations. We're kind of more keen to just find out more about your copyright history and yeah. all those sorts of things. Yeah. And we think, are you quite, are you quite amused by our theme tune? <laughs> I was, I was. I mean, it, it certainly uh, it, it it breaks the ice for anything to have uh, yeah that kind of jingle. It's yeah, a, it's a jingle. Isn't it's, it? it's, it's sort of a towering piece of, of creativity. Uh, it's quite like a masterpiece, isn't it? Well, yeah. Yeah. I hadn't expected anything quite so slick. Yeah. No, no, he's yeah. a professional musician, you know. So yes, anyway. yeah. no, it's not me. It, oh, it's not you. No, no, oh. no, no. I just got it in from like a production music library oh, thing. Okay, okay, okay yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So anyway, let, let's let's start. Uh, if you're able to tell us about your copyright history, so how did you become involved in copyright in the first place? Well, I suppose um, there's the, the 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 long answer to that one is that I've always, uh, in my entire career, worked in um, in, in in an industry which um, has been. Uh, is founded on copyright. So I've I've worked in before I came to CLA, which was eight years ago. Mm-hmm. I worked in the book publishing industry, and I was a um, editor and commissioning editor and product manager on illustrated nonfiction, um, mainly books, but I did a few part works as well um, for various companies. Um, probably the highlight of my career was um, editing the official book of Westlife and the official book of Steps wow. in the nineteen nineties. So yeah. I did really well there. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> But they're, they're, they're all kind of... It's quite topical now. They, they've come well, back. They've, yeah, everyone's coming back. Faye's days. doing very well on Strictly, isn't Absolutely, she? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the thing about inter, uh, illustrated book publishing is that it, it, there's a lot of foreign rights sales. There's a lot of rights involved in putting the book together. Yeah. Um, uh, you've really got to be very aware of what, what you own as a publisher and what you can then exploit the rights in in the future. So you're usually with an illustrated book, you, you, in, you invest with the knowledge that you're not going to make your money back in the first printing, yeah. but you own the rights. And you, so it, it, looking back on it now, the idea that, that copyright is, a, is an economic, um, it's a way that uh, people who invest in creativity can make uh, a return in the long run and be mm. assured of that return mm-hmm. uh, to keep their businesses going and employ people. Mm. It, I've lived it for 15 years before I came to CLA. So um, that's kind of the, the long-term how did I get into copyright? Mm. Yeah. How did I get get into CLA? Well, I literally was trying to leave Illustrated Book Publishing because I'd done as much as I wanted to do and I was feeling like I needed a new challenge uh, in my mm. 30s and I thought I'll cast around and it took me several years to work out what I, where I wanted to go and a job came up at the Copyright Licensing Agency which I'd never even heard of and thought, well, that sounds interesting, I'll go for that. And the more I looked into what CLA did preparing for the interview the more interested I got in the whole area which probably was why because I 
don't know why else I mm. got the job because I didn't really have a lot of experience in, in many of the things that they wanted me to do. But mm. I picked it up on the job because I think because I was actually genuinely interested in the area. Yeah. Um, and, and what that, was that, that first? Me. What was that first job that you, you um, went for? It well, it was it was broadly a very junior version of what I do now. So mm. it was it was um, called license development manager, and mm. I was working for a for the um, license development director. We don't have one at the moment, but it was um, somebody who was tasked with developing and enhancing the licenses. And this was a time when. CLA was changing um, a lot of its licences for different sectors from being um, analogue only or analogue um, photocopying and scanning mm-hmm. to photocopying and scanning and, from, and copying from digital. So there was a big push to, to do a lot of licence development work across all different sectors to go, to go digital in terms of what you can copy from. Yeah. Uh, and so I was brought in for that, which was, which was really interesting and um, really taught me about the, the challenges in a very you know early on. In so, did you been interested in technology as well? Is that something that earlier in your career? Yeah, you've I mean, been involved in? I'd always um, considered that. I mean, when when you do the job that I used to do, mm. you, you we were using the the layout programs, we were using Photoshop, we were mm. creating digital files and. And like you know, the, the you were creating a PDF, and that just because somebody then went and printed it, it, that wasn't really the output that I cared about. It was on it was on the digital page. Yeah. So yeah. so you know, um, uh, I I was kind of already f- fairly technical when I came here. Mm. I mean, I have to say that you know the job description said must have experience of working with ebooks, and I thought, well, I can bluff that. I don't really. Mm. So <laughs> I didn't really. But I mean, I worked in the industry, so I yeah. kind of knew about it. Um, uh, but yeah, so it, I mean, technology wasn't necessarily a major part of my career. It's a lot no. of it's more around writing and images, yeah, um, which yeah. which has really helped, I think. Yeah. So, so how did you? I mean, what was the thing that got you into the publishing world in the first place? So presumably you were kind of looking for. Yeah, I mean, if you go, if you, uh, career. Yes, yeah. it, uh, I mean, I did linguistics at university, and ah. I wanted to do something which was um, in the creative industries in some way and I I tried to go into advertising and didn't get any of the graduate jobs there Mm. and I thought well what else is kind of working in London interesting fun what else is terribly paid yep publishing (laughs) (laughs) Um, and yeah and all my friends went off to go and work in finance and accounting and I didn't and I ended up going to work for a small publishing company working on gardening books and uh, on gardening books gardening books oh wow did you pick up any tips on gardening? No, I didn't did, have a garden. It was quite interesting. <laughs> I was too young to Window do boxes? No, 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 no. Watercress? No. Oh, all right. No. Perhaps like a, just a pot of basil? The, the, the first company I worked for, because it did gardening, interior design and children's books, I was the only man in a company of 40 women, which was, which was a but, I was a butt of a lot of jokes there, which yes. was fine by me. I didn't yeah. mind. But, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. You developed a thick skin, did you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I learned how to deal with, with all sorts of different people. Yes, okay. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. So, I mean, that's uh, it's interesting background. What, what kinds of things are you working on at the moment, though, James? What, what? Well, um, so my role encompasses quite a lot of different areas. So um, I, have, I have a finger in lots of pies. So... Um, Pretty much all of the different sectors that CLA licenses, and just so just to recap, um, or for anyone who's not that familiar with copyright licensing agency, we um, our primary business is selling annual blanket licenses 
which allow either internal copying in businesses and public sector organisations or copying for education purposes mm. for education institutions. Yeah. Um, and I, I've kind of worked on both sides of that. So with the, with the corporate licensing, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for ways to enhance what we do in that area. So I'm, uh, I'm thinking about, but not necessarily working on at the moment, um, better ways to licence... Um, media monitoring so um, looking at news and current affairs that's published by our publishers online mm. um, how snippets and links and, and cuttings from that can be um, fairly monetized for the for the publisher um, and um, provide a, a better copyright compliance solution and yeah. we already have a solution out there but um, I need to have a think about how best we can make it fit particularly with the developments around um, Article 11 of the Digital Single Market Directive, yes, which yeah. um, does relate to the press publishers, right? Yeah, we, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's indirectly relevant to what we do yeah. because we our licences exploit the normal copyright in yes. the press publisher's outputs. Mm. And however, I think um, it's going to be brought to the fore. So I'm that's an area which, which you know, you guys wouldn't have won't be that involved with something mm. that I'm doing but that's that's yeah. kind of coming along so um, I mean I, I appreciate it may be limited what you can say about mm. that but if, if everything goes through with that um, with that press publishers right is that something where you know your members are expecting to see an increase in revenue or is this something where it's primarily come from the newspaper industry and it's something where you're trying to kind of rationalize how the whole thing works it's I mean it's primarily come from the newspaper industry and while we, while we would support um, you know the the, uh, the 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 general direction. Um, I think it, from our point of view, it's more that it will raise awareness that like, mm. that a license is needed for yeah. this kind of use. Um, and uh, and sort of you know, I, I certainly our, our colleagues at the newspaper licensing agency are, are much more behind this. Yes. That, that yeah. And we'll probably see the the opportunities. But as I say, we both both us and NLA do do well out of what we the right the rights that are already there and, mm. we, and we we have a we have a business model for that so mm. but it's something I'm looking at um, mm. there is a distinction isn't there between mm. I mean the, the CLA members are typically publishers of books and journals and the NLA will be newspaper publishing which means that there's a kind of a difference in the this kind of speed the turnaround of of when that content is valuable is, am I right in doing that um, Yes and no. Um, CLA also represents hundreds of magazine publishers. Mm. Um, and while the ones who publish the most frequently might still only publish once a week, they are magazines with yes. news in And there's a lot of B2B magazines, like any sector you can possibly imagine, you know, food manufacturing and like airline, uh, you know, logistics. Yes. There'll, be a biz, there'll be a B2B magazine. Yes. And many, many, the vast majority of those are with CLA for copying. Yeah. And you know that's news, and and it, it's it's if you've got if you are talking about making sure that when people copy news they they copy it fairly and it's reused fairly and it, and there is a an extra revenue stream then then that's the area we're we're very much in. Yes. And I'm, and I'm always looking at ways to enhance that. Um, and you do you do a fair bit of travelling, don't you? So were you were at the Frankfurt Book Fair quite recently, and you went to Athens as well. I, I was, yeah, yeah. I was gonna. I was yeah. so Frankfurt Book Fair. We go every year to yeah. Frankfurt and London to basically piggyback along with publishers' licensing services, who are the ones who have the direct relationship with the three thousand six hundred publishers that we represent. Um, 
they uh, organise meetings to see as many as they can in the three days of the book fair, mm. and we go along to make sure that we go in as many meetings as possible and find mm. out how they how they feel about what we do, to promote what we do, to tell yeah. them what we do, to ask them questions about what we might do in the future, and just taste the water. Yeah. And meet with lots of other different people as well. In, while we're, because it's weird, like the whole half the UK publishing industry moves to, goes to Frankfurt for a week. Which yes. Is weird. Yeah. But yeah. then people from all around the world do as well. So yeah. you know, it, it's 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 very interesting. Yeah. Um, and. So I went to Athens last week because the um, the annual congress of the International Federation of Reprographic Rights Organisations, oh yes, if if yes, um, yeah, was meeting in Athens, um, yeah, and and that's something that I've been working on more this year because my colleague um, is on maternity leave who generally deals with international matters, so I've right. been doing international public affairs and my day job, which has been fun, yeah. and so um, it's and it was really really interesting to go and meet people from other countries who do what I do. Because, mm. I mean, every, every RRO is meant to be a natural monopoly in their own country mm. because it's more efficient when there's only one of you representing all rights holders. Mm. So there are very few people that you get to meet every day who do yeah. the same licensing. job as you. Yeah. 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 So when you do meet them, you're like, oh, you have that problem too. How do you deal with it? Um, so I gave a, a presentation about um, some of the ways that CLA has taken a more customer-focused stance towards what we do yes. in in uh, in a couple of sectors so one of them was the higher education sector and oh, the way we developed the DCS yes. digital content store to make it easier for our customers to report what they're doing um, and the other one was how we have developed um, a partnership with the British Library to deliver um, their content from their document supply service into the NHS um, as part of a deal that we offer them uh, and the benefits that that provided right. too. So, um, and I, I was, I mean, it was, it, I got a lot of questions uh, throughout the conference after I'd given that presentation because a lot of ROs are, f- chal- uh, are challenged about how they explain what they do and the relevance of what they do to the end user and yes. why, um, you know, why, why, why you need a license or why, why, in fact, not so much why you need a license, but how to get um, licensing off the ground uh, and actually thinking that perhaps technology could be the way forward sometimes in this area, in this area where you, if you use a tool that makes it easier for you and makes you copyright compliant at the same time, mm. it might be uh, a better a better sort of um, pitch than just So that's where like, you've, had, you've had quite a bit of interest in the digital content store, haven't you, mm. from some, some of the other countries as well? Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. And so is, I, is it something, it's quite unique in a way, what you've developed, is it, or do other RROs have them in, that sort of tool? That's a really good question. Um, mm. I, uh, uh, oh, well, eight years ago, when I joined CLA, we had our first conversations with, with the Norwegian RRO, Copinor, who mm. were developing uh, a tool uh, that was fundamentally uh, similar and they uh, they were asking us for lots of advice about how to do things and we hadn't even done that much of it ourselves yet but we really collaborated and what they did is they said okay let's make a tool so that academics can build course packs online mm. and then the tool will kind of spit out a pdf of the whole course pack mm. um, because publishers would have given us all the chapters they need and it would just kind of create this like lovely sort of almost like a custom textbook yeah. which the which the academic can then um put online and, and also if um, not online on the VLE mm. and if um, if more of a book is needed than comes under the blanket licence then they could also pay extra online to use the extra chapters um, 
that was their idea. Mm. Um, a few years later, we thought, well, let's develop the DCS to uh, mm. help with reporting. Interestingly, both platforms have kind of become very similar yeah. over time. But they developed. But they developed so, independently, yeah. and they started from a different place. Yeah. But we, we've all we both realised what the customers actually want to do. Yes. Um, yeah. And so, it, yeah, so there were some very interesting conversations at, at, at IFRO. And one of the main reasons we go to IFRO events is to sign up bilateral agreements with other countries so that um, our blanket licenses have more repertoire from other countries right, around the world yeah, and yeah. so that we can, um, we can send uh, any revenue that we allocate to titles from foreign countries yeah. uh, out to them. Yes. So uh, we renewed our bilateral with Greece because we were in Greece and we, mm. underneath the Acropolis we did a signing with the chairman. Oh, wow. It was nice. Oh. Oh, excellent. You got photos I've got a photo, yes. Oh. Um, and uh, we also, I mean, I was having conversations with, with, with Zambia, with Bosnia, yeah, with yeah. countries where we don't have an agreement with yet, which you would like one with us. And uh, it was very interesting. You so know. Are there any, any countries that like really obviously don't have an RRO or don't send anyone that you think ought to? I was just like any of the European well, countries. I mean, or do they with, all with, have one? Without wanting to, you know, go into too much detail, you know, that most countries do yeah. do send someone, even if sometimes it is um, representing only authors okay. uh, or representing only publishers. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's because of the way RROs develop, we are, we are companies normally yes. that, are, that have to kind of be started up by both authors and publishers and then be allowed to license. Yeah. And sometimes that takes decades in mm. a country. Because um, it's so tightly comes. linked to the legislation, isn't it? And there are different legal traditions in different countries, and some of them actually have the way in which it works. Remuneration is encoded in the laws of the country itself. In many cases, yeah. but in some cases it isn't. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, 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 the activities of ROs can, be, can butt up against competition law they can run mm. up against what the co- copyright exceptions say mm-hmm. mm. they can come up against um i mean i was having a long conversation with with somebody from the emirates publishers association mm. who's trying to start the RRO there and they're stuck because they don't know what kind of organization they can legally be to be an RRO. can they be a company a public body or a charity oh. or a, or a non-profit third sector type organisation and she was saying that they're getting tied up in knots because yes. no, they've never had one no, and it's like no. these kinds of things get you stuck but, but I think you know I mean? so even yeah. when you're you know I'm reflecting on when I used to work for a, a, a collective management organisation mm. you know even when it's clearly defined what kind of organisation it is mm. Explaining that to people, actually trying to, you know, no, it's not the government, no, it's not a yes. civil servant, no, but it, it is a business, but it's not yeah. a typical, well, it is for profit, but it doesn't take the profit itself, yeah. so it has to be answerable to both sides, and it, yeah. it is a, it is a, an odd position to be yeah. in, but I guess it's, it's interesting that you've got that challenge of trying to make all those wonky bits kind of yes. fit together. And the other interesting thing I found about going to IFRO is that the other thing that is talked about a lot there is public lending right, which is, mm-hmm. which is a government. Mm. Um, you know, uh, remuneration scheme. Yeah, and it's, yeah. It, it, and 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 so that's rolled into what we were talking about. And I was thinking, and you know, the the link and explaining to people that public lending right isn't the same as copyright licensing. And da, 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 it's mm. yeah, it's interesting. So it's yeah, yeah. You you must have some amazing nerdy facts to share at parties. I, I tell you, I when try people, very hard people... not to share any nerdy facts. At parties. <laughs> we'll come to that in a okay. minute. We'll come <laughs> to it in a minute. My next question is, um, so. 
I mean, who are or have have you got any copyright heroes? Who all that have influenced you, I guess. Yeah. Well, apart from you two. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I I mean I work with a lot of very smart people and I I wouldn't really want to name any names because you know I I do I I mean I think it's more that if you you know over the last eight years. You, that old ad, adage that if you are the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. It, mm. al, almost always in every mm. meeting, it, that's true. Mm. And so you kind of pick up from everybody you work with, mm. whether they're on the rights holder side or on the user side. Yeah. Um, you, 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 you learn from the cleverest people in the room. And yeah. so it's like, there's too many people to say, oh, well, you know, they're my copyright hero. And some people who, are, who I would absolutely admire in some ways mm. for being like a extremely smart and diligent lawyer who will completely take apart anyone's argument who's pro-copyright, Yes, I would be like, well, are they my hero? No, because I wouldn't no. be them. No, no, well, that's what but I was trying to... Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can pick from different people and go, well, they're, they're great at that, but actually these other people, you know, they're, 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 their heartfelt argument about why, um, you know, exceptions should help, blah, 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 yes. are absolutely, you know, you go, wow, you've completely got it and you've persuaded me there. Yeah, um, you know, and like, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, I'm so, thinking of some of the people you have, like at the the Charles Clark lecture mm. every year, and um, you've had some really interesting people, haven't you? Like you had um, the 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 judge Pierre Laval. Pierre Laval. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He came over um, and yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 great to be involved in an organisation that. Uh, organises that event because I yes. think it is a it's a, a real one off once a year thing where not only do we get really good speakers but also you know the people who go to that lecture are are so engaged with the world of copyright and, and mixing yes. people together and saying oh well, you should meet this person um, so uh, uh, so that, yeah so I do you know um, uh, I do agree that that and that's another example of being you know surrounded by very clever people who yeah. know a lot, about, lot more about copyright than me. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. Okay, so ne- my next my next question is: uh, Can you give us your your favourite nerdy fact about copyright? What's the thing you say? So you get into a conversation at a party and say, "Ah, copyright." You know, what 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 would you say in order to you know kind of wow them? <laughs> well, I, I mean, unless it's a party of people who already work in the sector I work in, uh, I would try not to talk about copyright at parties because I find that it does polarise opinion and people want to, you know, get on a soapbox about one side or the other with me and I'm always like, you, yeah, first of all, I could probably, you know, you've got something wrong here yes. and secondly, I don't want to talk about this now, I'm not at work. Yes, so, yeah. Um, but, I mean, I was, well, not so much at parties, but I was, um, I, 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 I was passing Great Ormond Street Hospital the other day and I noticed the statue of Peter Pan outside, which yeah, I hadn't noticed yeah. before. I didn't know there was one there. I realised there was one in Hyde Park. And, mm. and, uh, and then when I got home, I made sure I was trying to explain to my son about the um, interesting copyright situation with Peter Pan, which is, which is that I believe that Jay and Barry kind of bequeathed the pop- copyright to the nation mm. to the Great Ormond Street Hospital and it's now written into the Act which is a strange thing. I mean, I don't know the, all the facts, but I think that's mm. really interesting. Mm. Um, and I think, but it's also interesting that Great Ormond Street Hospital can't stop you putting on a play of Peter Pan. They can just ask that you pay for it, I believe, um, which is another interesting one because that is, you know, copyright isn't just about stopping. It's sometimes about saying, well, you just, 
need to negotiate for something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And that's an odd, odd case. And also the perpetuity of that copyright is interesting too. It is interesting, you know? isn't it? And uh, I, I, I presume, you know, he, he must have... It might be somebody who's really interesting to read up about what his views were about copyright. Yeah, was it, it was, that he just didn't was, want his estate to Well, it was benefit. James Callaghan was heavily involved in having that written into the Act. So it was right. his thing to have taken that and say, oh, then there was the link. So, I mean, I, again, I don't know all the details, but I know that that yeah, was... Yeah, it's an interesting area that I say. It, it, and, and, I mean, particularly as, you know, Peter Pan is one of those things that I... It always touches me when I see a, a, a production of it. For some reason, I just really mm-hmm. like the... Um, well, I don't know whether I really like it, but I, I like the way that he's made a a story that touches people and, yeah, and, and yeah. The, for that to then be linked to um, helping children and to using co- something as dry as copyright to do so mm. is a fascinating thing you know mm. so it's a good story yeah, it is a definitely. good story yeah. 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 Like, it brings about questions of kind of yeah so authors authorship and rights and then charities and whether they're you know should there be a case where because a charitable need is so great. And I know there were, just, I can't remember, I don't know the full details about mm. this, but when I was back at PRS, there was a, around the royalties from uh, Band Aid yes. at the time, and there was, oh. you know, mm. there was this discussion about whether or not all the royalties that went you know, to the performers and to the, to the writers should be waived on and Live Aid, I think it was mm. as well. And it was right. like, well, they can't do that because they represent the. The, the writers en masse and, unless they get agreement from all of them mm. and actually you know, that's an individual thing that each of those authors should then make that decision if they mm. want to uh, give their royalties to charity it shouldn't be cut off at source because the principle is that remuneration should always flow yeah. through and then they can choose whether to give that money to charity or not I suppose yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris yeah. has got loads of nerdy facts about oh, copyright sure. share I couldn't, parties. I couldn't think of but any other just, ones. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I thought I don't wow people at parties with them. I tend to sit in the corner on my own, mumbling to myself. And, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the, the the next one I I, I want to ask you about is uh, whether you've got any uh, copyright news uh, items that you'd like to talk about. And we have a, a fantastic jingle to go with this one. Well, I mean, I did. Um, I did know that I was going to be asked to uh, talk about some element of copyright news, and to be honest, I, I haven't really managed to prepare one which is going to be news, but to anybody, because it, you know, it, it's a small world, and once once something is uh, out there, everyone who needs to know tends to need to know about it. Mm. So um, I, uh, rather than talk about copyright news item, I think it's more that um, one of the, another area that I'm, that I'm working on that I'm quite interested in in the long run for, um, for CLA to have a a big role in is um, out of commerce and orphan works. Mm. And I think that that's an area of the digital single market directive um, which is not very well known to lots of people because of the big controversial bits about press publishers' rights and platform licensing. And there's actually at least four articles in it which are directly related to this. Um, and um, and I don't, I can't remember all the detail, but there are there are um, articles which talk about the fact that when um, something's been digitised, that's out of commerce, it can be used across Europe and that libraries have should have certain rights to do things with them but also that there should be a licensing scheme 
to, to make these available. And there should be a dialogue between libraries and archives and CMOs like CLA yeah. uh, to, to try to facilitate um, licensed use of works which fall into that 20th century black hole of mm. works which, were, which are not out of copyright due to the time they were published, but are, it's very, very, very hard to clear the rights to reuse them or mm. to make them available to anybody else. And it's interesting because um, I, I just always thought of these as like out-of-print books, basically. That's the kind of old term, isn't it? But there's mm. a specific reason why they're called out-of-commerce now, isn't it? Because isn't it related to kind of how digital publishing works and that books technically are kind of never really out of print in a way you could yeah i mean um if, if a book is out of print it just means that there are there aren't physical copies sitting in a warehouse ready uh, you know that are sitting there ready to post tomorrow yeah but but there are many many um publishers and many many works where if you press the right button online mm. somebody will go and print one for you and yes. post it to you tomorrow yeah because the digital file sits somewhere yeah. and they're ready to do it if you want it. Yes. Now, is that out of print? Yes, because there are no printed copies anywhere. Mm. Is it out of commerce? No, because somebody is selling it. Mm. They, are, they mm. are advertising it with a price. Mm. They say, you can buy this book, we'll post it to you next week yeah. if you pay. Yeah. And that's something that we have to be very aware of when we're looking at this because um, every, you know, um, there, are, there are many, many books which are very, very much out of commerce because nobody is offering them for sale yeah. and no one would claim to offer them for sale because no one really knows who owns the rights to sell so them. So these are going to be books where they would have been produced sort of pre-digital? And, and well, they, I mean, I think almost everything we're talking about is pre-digital. Yeah. But, I mean, um, one of the ways that around Europe particularly collective management organisations have managed to licence the reuse of out-of-commerce works is by setting a time period up before... We, before which they can be licensed, and after which they, they don't fall into mm. the scheme. Mm. Uh, and that generally, the cutoff date is generally before the advent of ebooks. Mm. So, um, mm. in fact, mm. in some countries, it's before the advent of, of identifiers, or ISBNs. Mm. So, right. okay. so there's kind of, um, because the ISBN made it possible to have the, um, the retail chain to buy these things and if you don't have the ISBN then it's kind of pretty clear that it's going to be very hard to buy it yes um, yeah, yeah. so um, for example in Germany it's 1966 and I it's not because that's when we last beat them in the World Cup it's <laughs> because that's when it's, it's like their 1988 it's when their Copyright Act got modernised so before oh. that they're, they're, there's, there's a scheme in Germany where you can 1965 well, I believe Maybe the act was yeah. it might be the first of January, nineteen sixty-six. Yeah, the, yeah. the Intellectual yeah. Property Act, in yeah. Germany, nineteen sixty-five. Oh. Oh, don't question. I know. I've said that on recording Just now. Telling you nerdy, nerdy facts. Yeah, copyright. Yeah, um, I only remember that because I was thinking that is it the French one that's sixty-six? No, I was getting confused between. I had some stupid Beatles thing, but anyway, I'm I'm distracting you. Yes, so, but um, James did mention. Yes. I know. I know this is your news item, but but you did also mention 1988. So in thinking of um, sort of uh, news that might be coming up, there's there's a, a kind of a, quite a significant anniversary coming up fairly soon, isn't there? <laughs> yes, I believe there is. Well, 1988 is is 30 years ago, and I believe because. 
Jane has told me, <laughs> the anniversary of the ascent of the Copyright Designs and Patents Act 1988 is in November. It's in a couple of weeks, it's, right? That's next week, isn't Next it? week. It is, it's, it's the 15th. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I was just wondering, I mean, what are, what are you going to be doing next Thursday to celebrate? We, we, <laughs> we, we've, got, we've got some things lined up. I'm going yeah. to do a talk about copyright at London School of Economics. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Celebration. I'm sorry, I couldn't be there. Yeah. yeah. You're doing something related to software licensing. I am doing. It's my, it's my other love, software licensing. Yeah. 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 I, I don't. Do you know what? I don't even know what's in my diary on that day. <gasps> I'm probably going to be doing some very important work related to the new license for universities. That which, would be very fitting, I think. Yeah. Yes. I think it would. Well, raise a glass. I will. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I might need to. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, um, it, it's a very important anniversary. So um, yes, yeah, so that's that's. It's not so much copyright news, but I think it, it's mm. something that is is very topical. Um, mm. You know, there's a lot of discussions that we're partaking in to mm. try to see whether we can provide some kind of license solution along the lines of what people do in other countries, and it's yeah. quite exciting because if yeah. we do, then we will have a have played a role in kind of liberating some of these works yeah. that are stuck in the British Library or wherever that we, yes. can, yeah. we can help with. So, well, I think we can all wish you well on, on, on getting that result. Yeah. It's, it's an important thing to get sorted, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely, definitely. Um, so can I ask a question about uh, where you go generally to keep up to date? So, I mean, obviously there's lots of things that are happening, so you're talking to colleagues, but I mean, mm. in terms of the copyright world, uh, who do you follow, where do you go, what do you read? Um, well, I think there's probably two main areas that, that I would get kind of keep up to date with. I mean, I, I did find when I first started at CLA, in fact, even before, that following the right people on Twitter was incredibly helpful because mm. they'll just post things that are news yes. uh, or, or opinions or views and they'll be engaging the debate. Um, and so, you know, I really do feel like... Um, just reading people's tweets and following links every day mm. is, is the main thing that keeps me up to date about what's happening. I do go to a fair few conferences um, in order to just find out what's going on. And, you know, of, often they are rights holder side conferences, but I do go to some user side, copyright user side conferences. I mean, generally, I mean, I go to things like UKSG. Yes. Um, uh, but we also have, you know, publishing conferences like the ALPSP conference for journal publishers. Mm-hmm. And the copyright is, is one part of the conversation, but actually, you know, when they're talking about open access and they're talking about um, all sort, uh, funders and all sorts of other things, it's mm. all related. Yes. So, so that's the other area. I mean, the, but, I mean, the other, the other key thing for me is that um, I'm... Because of my role at CLA, I'm on the, um, which sounds like a very important committee, but it isn't really, the, um, the, the Copyright and Legal Affairs Committee of the Scientific, Technical and Medical Publishers Association. Right. Which is an international association yeah, yeah, yeah. of yeah. journal publishers. Yeah. Um, and being on that committee, and I've got a call this afternoon, which is the conference call that we do every couple of months, mm. um, you get really up to date news on the developments in Europe mm. and in fact around the world so we're doing mm. a lot of work we're trying to help our colleagues in South Africa because there's a new draft copyright act which is a bit clunky and they're trying to make it actually work as an act right, for, right. Both, for both sides really yes yeah um, yeah and um uh, but and also you know so it, that really keeps me up to date um on the sort of behind the scenes stuff and mm. obviously mm. that's very much from a journal publisher's world but they're often the ones who are at the forefront of of, of what the developments in copyright are 
because I found in trade publishing that I didn't really have any... I just assumed the copyright was just there and that we could, mm. we could use it to do what we did. And to a large extent, we did. We just got on with it. Mm. But I think when it comes to digital publishing, when it comes to journal publishing, when it comes to other uses, there's, you know, um, there's so much uh, change or potential change that, yeah. that you've got to keep up with this yeah. uh, stuff. And, I mean, I enjoy working on that committee because also, you know, there's some very smart people who are very helpful to CLA and thus to our customers mm. who are very understanding about how it's give and take in the world of copyright licensing, secondary yes. licensing. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and, you know, you, you, our licenses let people do things they wouldn't not normally be able to do unless they went and asked directly. Mm. Um, and we kind of, we're, we're in between these, these, you know, publishing house lawyers and our customers. Yeah, mm. so, and I think it goes back to what you were saying about, you know, not being the smartest person in the room is 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 a good thing, and I, I I've experienced you know the same thing sitting on various groups where people just have that level of knowledge, and you're kind of thinking that that's just really interesting to find mm. out what they're saying and trying to fit it into to a bigger picture. I think. I think yeah, but I mean, I was going to say that I, unlike some of the people that you may interview, I know quite a lot about collective licensing and copyright, but I don't know that much about. The rest of copyright mm. because mm. it's not just section 36 and section 32 and blah 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 it's like there's a whole load of other stuff that I haven't really dealt with in my career yeah. mm. which I'm still to learn so you know mm. um, it's it's a pretty narrow focus yeah um, yeah. But which, yeah it's kind of nice to know that there's lots you don't know sometimes yeah it's a rich field isn't mm. it I think yeah. yes and certainly when it comes to the question of academic publishing which I'm not intending to embark on a conversation about you know it's a highly <laughs> controversial area about how things are going it's very mm. fast moving but it's I mean I do think it's something where you know we haven't found the best way to mm. communicate scientific and scholarly information and that there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done to collaborate with all the different people in the you know uh, organisations who kind of have something to, to provide and, and can, can add value to yeah, the whole process but obviously we, we tend towards openness as a concept but you know, mm. I, I think getting that expertise will, will help yeah, yeah definitely I mean I think I mean, one of the things that I find most interesting about working in, in the world of copyright is that you know there's a lot of really strongly held beliefs which mm. are very intelligently argued by very smart people who treat each other with, with respect mm. and there aren't that many industries where that actually happens and you yeah. know, we, 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 I do like that and I respect it a lot. Um, I think it's also really interesting that there are kind of diff- entirely different, differing arguments about why copyright is there in the first place. You yeah. Know? yeah. Is, it, is it an economic lever for, as I was describing about you know, how I see copyright because I've worked in jobs where my salary came from selling rights? Yes. Um, or you know, if you're an if you come from the author world where you where you write and you create and you want you know this kind of European sense where um, the, the, it's like a moral. Uh, um, it's part of your it's person, kind of your part isn't of your it? Person. It's yeah, part, I mean, you know, of your, part of the, you. The French yes. copyright is just authors' rights. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I, I find it really interesting because you know you've got to have. You've got to balance both those perspectives when mm. you're talking to a broad field of people mm. in terms of rights holders. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the questions I always I was just thinking about when I 
was preparing for this was was if copyright didn't exist today, would we invent it as a society? Because mm. we just invented it, right? Mm. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know whether I don't know whether we would in a way um, mm. today, but mm. but. Um, yeah. We did. But so. then it's, it's the case with, with most things. You know, if we started from scratch and mm. invented all sorts of things, we wouldn't mm. do what we did in the past. And I think some of it um, is about uh, you know, realising and accepting that, that there is a historical basis for something, and if you want to change it, there will be a process that you need to go through, mm. and that needs to be, you know, I think, a respectful and democratic process. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and re- I mean, also, really, that, that you know... Um, you kind of need to do a sort of an impact assessment on well, what what would be the real impact of changing things, and I, you know, I would, I I think that the the fact that um, the UK's one of the UK's major exports is its creative works, which are completely grounded on selling the rights, mm. i.e. the copyright, whether it's TV, film, music, books. Mm. I mean, we are we are the we're the you know, I think in terms of exporting books, we're the, Biggest per, per per head in yes, the world, I think, yeah. uh, in terms of the business, um, and you know, for for a country that has that, mm. why would we want to change anything particularly? Yeah, it's a um, it's a, an important part of the um, economy, the economy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can't get away from that. It's yeah. it all comes down to money. Yeah, mm. but but I mean also the the, uh, the the some of the discussions around scholarly publishing are are interesting because they're sort of there are attempts to change an entire ecosystem in one go um yeah. which which are i mean it's ambitious and i am you know i i don't get involved with those kind of arguments either either way but i watch and i listen and i'm like mm. has it have he, has anybody thought about the the long term implications of making this major change because in other sectors you wouldn't just change things like that mm. but Things have got to change because there's a lot of there's a lot of what's the word enmity between different sides at the moment, which and I think needs to be resolved. Yeah, and I think we really yeah. we're kind of talking around the subject really, aren't we, on the sort of open access debate? And I think I would I would quite like to move on to the subject of baking. Well, I was going to say, isn't it isn't it just time to have some something to to eat really? Yeah. You know, yeah. when it all gets too much. And, you know, the debate gets here. Chris has been baking. So there we go. And, oh, we didn't eat them all on the train coming in. Thank you. Is this this a tradition that that every... Copyright waffle has to have a signature bake. Thank you very much. Would you like to describe what you have here? Yes, it's a. It looks very much like a chocolate chip cookie to me. Yeah, it is a chocolate chip cookie. Homemade chocolate cookie. Yes, yeah. I'm being very good. You see, I follow. I follow something called the no s diet, which means. I have no sweets, no snacks, no seconds, except on Saturdays and Sundays and special occasions, <laughs> which will be public holidays or somebody's birthday. Right. So it's not anyone's birthday, uh, that, that I, I know, of a close family member or friend. Okay. Yes. Okay. Not just anybody's birthday. Okay. Well, we're, we're, we're holding I mean, on to ours. I'm allowed to steal little bits of other people's cookies. Yeah, so we're just holding on to ours for the time being. Yeah, this because whole... I'm aware that I'll be recorded with my mouth full. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. But, I mean, is it biscuit or cake for you? Or, you know, have you got something that's a particular favourite? Uh, well, you know... You're, I, not, I, you're a sweet or savoury person, really. Uh, I definitely like a, a good... Good donut. Oh, um, you know, ooh, um, a donut. I like a donut. 
Yeah, it's filled with jam. And and when you say, you know, biscuit or cake, well, I quite like Jaffa cakes, so which one is that? Oh, oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's not go there. No, let's not go there. I think it's a cake. I'm pretty sure it's a cake. Well, I don't know. I, what does the Inland Revenue say? That's the question, but I can't remember what the import of this is. I think, I think it's gone back and forth. Yes. I think I've seen it on QI and they said one and then they went back the other way. It's not, is it not, it's not related to something to do with VAT as well, is it? Like, yes. Yeah, yes. It has. It's related yeah. to that. It's also yeah. there's the whole question of whether or not it goes, what happens when it goes stale and uh, biscuit will go soft and yeah. cake will go hard. But yeah. these cookies should be fairly soft and chewy because yeah, you know, they are It smells delicious. Of, yes, it does. It's like, tempting like, us. Yeah. It's tempting us. Yeah. I think it's, it's time Well, I was just thinking it was, a, it was an analogy for copyright, really, in that there are grey areas yes. and, you know, over time it might go stale and need refreshing. I don't know. <laughs> it could be. I don't, a bit I don't chewy think they're really chewy. Are they grey areas in that, in that cookie? Uh, no, and I'm if I'm you eat too many, you're going to end up with indigestion. It's true. Yeah, yeah. So there we are. Well, thank you ever so much, James, for yes, joining us. Okay. We've had a fascinating conversation. Yeah. And uh, I think we've done the full round from the digital single market, uh, open access to biscuits. To yes. cookies. Yes. To cookies. Yeah. And thank you very yeah. much for uh, inviting me to, to be interviewed. It's been fun. Thank okay. you. Thank you. And thanks Excellent. for this. Cheers. Copyright waffle, copyright waffle, copyright waffle, alright.